0: Welcome to Ben Navarres Podcast with your host, Ben Navarres.
1: Good morning and welcome back to the podcast. Today we have a new guest, someone I've never met before, Charlotte Vidal. And I hope I said that correctly. And we are. I'm going to learn a little bit about what you you kind you of do, right? So I, I got a small introduction from Jason saying uh, that you are in the world of powerlifting. You're an IPF um, referee. You are a coach for the France national team or the French national team. And, um, and you're also getting your PhD studying specifically the squat. So yeah. lots, of, lots of fun things to talk about. Um, if you don't mind, just you, you know, you can you can give yourself a plug to start us off. If you'd like to, where can people find you?
0: Yeah, hi Ben. So first, thanks for inviting me. And yeah, I think you sum it up quite well. Well, my name is not Vidal anymore. I I got married last week. But otherwise, yes, I'm in the powerlifting. Uh, game for twelve years. I began as an athlete and then moved to the dark side, being a referee and a coach. And I'm now a Cat One referee in IPF as well as a national coach for Team France. And yeah, that's. I'm also finishing my PhD uh, on the optimization on squats regarding with biomechanic optimization. So I built a mechanical model for my my PhD and I'm trying to help athletes as much as I can in many fields.
1: So what did you build in order to make a squat efficient? And then what makes an efficient squat? Um,
0: What I like, maybe I should explain from the beginning. So I've been in powerlifting for long and I couldn't stand it anymore that we had the same, um, like, people were always giving the same advice to, to lifters regarding having le- different uh, lengths of, uh, like, legs and ties and stuff like that. So, yeah. to me, it's being a mechanical engineer, I was like, it, it can't be, we can't all squat the same. And so, what I did was to build a, a genetic algorithm on, on MATLAB and just, try to make the uh, squats more efficient to uh, have to minimize the energy we spend doing a squat regarding uh, our anthropometrics. Basically, that's it. Like I I want one squat for one guy and not the one fits all solution.
1: I mean, the way that you're going about it is definitely the more accurate way, right? We're all built a little different. Our hips are, are are designed differently, right? The the length of the femur versus the length of the tibia and fib, they're all they all impact the way that and, and you know the length of the torso. They all impact the way that we squat, right? And so, what like how do you take the data and then put it into this machine in order to give back? specific requirements like what 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 exactly does it give back to the athlete so that they know what's to, how to squat uh
0: okay so it's kind of a first draft and we can't use it for everyone yet but what i do is i ask a lifter to make a squat and i put um reflective markers on him So, with special cameras, I can um, register the length of the femur and torso and everything. And then I put all those data in my algorithm and it calculates uh, the, like, it calculates all the options, like all the positions available. And then I've built an algorithm. Not sure if you want me to explain what a genetic algorithm is. If so, well, a genetic algorithm is is based on on evolution because I couldn't calculate all the possibility to make a squat. So it's like giraffes at the example. I think the first giraffes, they didn't have such a long neck, but I think the ones with a longer neck, um, they survived longer than the other ones so they had more children and now giraffes have a long neck it's a bit the same principle so i'm trying some solutions and the solution that have the best results they i make them mix and i had a new generation and after many generations i have basically a solution that's the best or close to the best solution and then um when I do this, uh, I calculate from uh, the side view uh, what the angles of the ankle, knee, hip should be to optimize the, the squat pattern. But the goal would be to put this in an app and to have like an avatar that, would make, that we could see if we're doing right or wrong
1: that i feel like that's very good for the coaching industry but also i mean maybe for the athletes but maybe it kind of pulls a little bit away from the coach right it it, it i think that being a coach there's definitely a need for like the personal aspect and the the immediate cues but you I mean you're you're kind of taking that specifically in the squat you're kind of like taking that into the hands of a a much more accurate machine
0: we still need coaching coaches as you said i think in powerlifting we don't um, take much we don't put much attention on the mental aspect and being a, a lifter myself and a coach at the international level i think the mental aspect is probably one of the most important so i think the the goal of coaches would maybe switch a bit from being like a technical goal to a mental goal but we would still need coaches and and the idea was during lockdown for for lockdown for example many people couldn't see their coaches and had to train at home so the my goal is not to say hey we don't need coaches anymore but more that if we train at home we have like an alternative like there's another way to work and maybe lifters could I think maybe there would be a way that the coach said says okay, I think this is the perfect squat, and then the avatar just helps the lifter correct himself when he is alone. Like my goal is not to like kill coaches at all.
1: I, 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 I definitely can see um, the benefit of the of the system. How how many points of data did you have to have to create the algorithm? I, how many different people did you work with?
0: Uh, I had around 10 lifters, but I like the algorithm is not working a hundred percent because I've seen that the center of pressure of the lifter is very different between what my algorithm think is optimal and what the athletes of the French team uh do. And so this... Difference is something I want to fix or understand at least before trying to go further, because my algorithms say that to be stronger we would need to be over heels when we're in the hole of the squat, but when I film lifters with us when I have their center of pressure, uh, I can see that nearly all of them are under their forefoot in the hole of the squat. And so there's a difference about around, of around 10 centimeter, which is a lot. And from a mechanical point of view, I can't explain it. So I would need more biomechanists to help me or more lifters to help me understand this. I've spent basically one year trying to understand this and I don't have the solution yet. So...
1: I think that one year to ha- I mean to have what you have one year is a pretty short amount of time in the research world to really get something new developed and so it's going to take it's going to take time right
0: Yeah yeah of course and it's very hard to experiment on lifters because most of the data in the scientific um Yeah, most of what we have are data on novice athletes or athletes that squat maybe 1.5 times their body weight or that are not competitors or not high-level competitors. But if you want to have high-level competitors, you can't force themselves into a protocol because they are paying like a lot coaches to have uh, their program over one year, so they they don't want to screw everything for science so i think there's many progress to do in this field to make sure that science from one side and high level from the other side can complement each other and help each other and that's not the case yet
1: are there is is the goal to to pull maybe some retired athletes that maybe have the correct form like a like a, a more bio- biomechanically efficient squat but maybe aren't squatting that um that heavy in that in their current state like they've retired so maybe they're at 1.5 but because of their experience being a more pro- a professional they've you know they they have the mechanics right. They're they're built in to to a degree, um, but they're retired. They may be more likely to help.
0: Yeah. Uh, honestly, I never thought of this option, but that could be one. And f- but I think in France, more like the raw powerlifters are quite young and they're not retired yet. And the retired powerlifters used to be equipped equipped powerlifters, so it's not exactly the same motion. So maybe I should need I, sh- I should wait a bit more. But to me, the best option would be to wait until the artificial intelligence in the phones is efficient enough to have uh, the skeleton of the people just f- when they film they- themselves in training. So that wouldn't force them into a protocol. I could see the squad the way they do, and I could have data
1: to analyze you're but doing that's really my, cool. that
0: would be my dream but we're not there yet
1: it's only a matter of time like you you've you've started the right thing and then as you know as someone who's done online coaching and then per, like training the coaching it, uh one-on-one or have a coach i can see that this can be a huge benefit in the field and also it, and then you can add that same, uh, maybe not, but you can get the same concept to both a, a, a bench and a deadlift, right? Like if you can create, that's, that's that's crazy. You know, like you're creating the most biomechanically efficient athletes. I mean, what, what more could you want? You know, it reduces risk of injury. It creates better performance. I mean, I think it helps the mental health of the athlete. I mean, that's huge.
0: Yeah, that that could be amazing, but to be honest, uh I would need a lot more time, and yeah, I think I would need other lifters and biomechanists to do so because I'm in France. I'm I'm a bit like alone. So I've asked many people from powerlifting uh, on Instagram, etc., and many of them have helped me, but I think I'm still lacking some knowledge. But I've opened the door, and I hope. More people are going to come and we can build something big.
1: I think that's, you can never do it alone, right? There's always, there always needs to be help from multiple countries or multiple people, doesn't necessarily countries, but multiple people need to be able to chime in so that you can create the best product possible, right? I think that's what science definitely promotes.
0: Yes, of course.
1: So, what is it like being a athletes in the french national or the french uh france national team french national team um and then now being a coach what what is that environment like do you guys have your own training centers um you know, is are our individuals paid as athletes what what does all that kind of look like
0: oh so everyone is training i think it's a bit like in all the countries or in the in the USA, like everyone is training in their home or home gym. I think most of the lifters in the French team have home gyms. Um, we have many people training in Paris like pana Tiffany, Leah, they are all in the same gym. Um, my husband Nicolas is training in our home gym with his sister too. And no, they're not paid. But since 2018, I would say, most of the lifters uh, have tried to live from powerlifting uh, by becoming coaches. And what we thought was impossible uh, 10 years ago when I began is now the, like, the daily life of maybe 10 or 20 of them. So basically, the lifters in the French team, they are coaches and they are trying to do everything to become best lifters, but the ministry is paying for the trips. When we're going on in competition, if you qualify now, if you're in an open team and you qualify for a competition, the federation pays for everything, but otherwise, you don't have money at all. Or just from the States, sometimes you can have like 1,000 euros or 2,000 euros if you're very lucky, but it's not enough for a living.
1: Hopefully that, I think it's continuously growing and hopefully will end up changing. I think that, you know, there's athletes put in so much work, so much time. And then it's, it's so consuming that people, like people deserve to get paid, right? Like you have these other athletes that are also getting paid. You have um, like, American football gets paid insane money, right? I think soccer players, football gets paid insane money. Um, like, there's at least the opportunity to, right? And I think that it would be really nice that if, if powerlifters got paid too. I might be biased, but I think it'd be a wonderful ideal if, if athletes got paid.
0: Yeah, uh, but honestly, when I began powerlifting and I was a junior, we were going to... Uh, we were, we had meetings with the junior team and the coaches were always telling us like you have to work at school because you'll never make a living from powerlifting so nowadays that now that some some of them are lifting are living from coaching it's already a huge step forward and yeah th- that would be amazing to have them live for this because I think being like a professional or trying to be a top athlete is even worse than a job because you have to train. So for sure it's it takes less time than going to the office, but you have to eat well, sleep well, and like uh maybe not drive too much because it will hurt your back and you won't recover enough and you have to take care of so many things that most of the people like If you don't practice, you don't understand. I know that some of members of our family, they just don't understand. But yeah, I think being a top athlete is worse than working. So for sure, they should be paid. But one day.
1: (laughs) One day, one day. I think maybe it's... I don't know that I would say maybe worse but I think like more time consuming right like it, it yeah. every hour of every day is like you you're consumed by this training right it's like you got to eat you got to drink water you got to take the vitamins you got to you know you got to go see a chiropractor or a physical therapist you got to have a coach you got to have you know this whole team around you in order to make sure that you will perform at the end of the day and it's it's just, it's tough. I mean, going to you know going back in, and working in an industry and working for companies, I'm like, man, like this is this level of work that people are willing to accept. Wouldn't if I was doing this quality of work as a as a as a lifter, then there would be no way I would have ever made it to Worlds, right? Like it it requires everything to be high tier, high quality.
0: Yeah, it's. Exactly, and, but I really think that if you haven't tried, you can't understand this, because some people, they're just going to go to the gym, and I think that's what makes the French team so strong now, um, compared to 10 years ago, because... 10 years ago, the junior team, they were going to Worlds and they were bringing bringing their shisha into the hotel and just getting drunk after the competition and stuff like that. But now all the lifters, they are just 100% living for powerlifting. And I think that's great that Sheffield happened. And that's the first step. I'm just sad that it's only SBD and they are promoting so much SBD athletes. But... I think that's a first step. And if Sheffield happens, then more competi- competitions with Cash prize will probably happen. And, yeah, it's going to help Sheffield, the lifters.
1: That Sheffield was huge.
0: Yeah, it is. But they I heard that they didn't pay for the non-SBD athletes coming to Sheffield, like Chance no. Mitchell. I think uh, I'm... I didn't hear the podcast, but I think that's what I got told. And for having a husband sponsor, sponsored by, by A7, it's already a problem for the French national team because they have a partnership with SBD. So, yeah, to me, I, I do understand SBD trying to grow up, but uh, it's sad that it's sponsoring the SBD athletes so much. And I think, for example, having... Anatoly, who had the world record in 105 at Sheffield, would have been normal, but they they didn't choose him because he's a Titan athlete.
1: That well, makes That's me... my
0: opinion on the subject.
1: <laughs> I think that, I mean, the more, I mean, I'm, I'm learning, right? I'm continuously learning from a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds in the powerlifting space. And I think that, on, I think you, on one hand, it's it's good that it brings a lot of attention because it is such a yeah. big company. On the other hand, I think you're right. I mean, that's kind of, and it's it's to make it exclusive that way makes it unfortunate, right? Because there is there are a lot of other athletes that deserve to be on that on that platform, and so then what what happens? It, it, do you have um? A, a surely there has to be. I, I always, I like to, th- I don't know if you watch like fighting, but UFC in, in America, I mean, UFC, I mean, I guess it's all, I guess all over the world, but, um, you have one big conglomerate and then you have all these other companies are, that are able to sponsor inside. So it's not specific to only UFC sponsored athletes. It's anybody, right? If, if you make the best of the best, then you should be able to compete with the best of the best, right?
0: Yeah, well, that's my opinion too, and but it's not the case right now. Well, not exactly, but maybe in the following years, um, more like other brands will create their own competition with cash prize or IPF will make more cash prize at the world level. I don't know. And I really hope so.
1: I think I really hope so as well. It seems like powerlifting is still so young in learning how to be a business, that it's, there, there are a lot of pitfalls and we can, we can pick the pitfalls apart. But if you really think, I mean, it's, it's young in the world of being able to pay athletes and, and, and have a functioning business in that way. Um, and so I, I'm hopeful that, you know, we can, uh, it's going to evolve to the point where there is an opportunity. Maybe it's not the Sheffield. Maybe it's not IPF. um, Maybe it's not USAPL, but it's going to be somewhere something has to come out. It's been done before. So now it's just having somebody kind of help guide it along and then having the, the respective uh, governing bodies be open to that. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, I think if, Sheffield happened and people broke world record at Sheffield, it means that the governing bodies are open to competition with cash price. So it's sure going to happen. And I'm really looking forward to Worlds this year because uh, it's going to be huge. And like the entrance, you have to pay for the entrance and it's more expensive than what it had been before. And the venue seems wonderful. So I think we're bringing the quality up, so it means more and more people, and especially being uh on Eurosport. Like we have two sessions live streamed, on, live streamed on Eurosport. It's gonna it's gonna help for sure. And I can see in France that when I began powerlifting twelve years ago, I was the only one of my family going to the gym, and my parents like they just didn't understand. And now my sister is going to the gym. My cousins are all going to the gym. And, like, more and more people are going to the gym. So more people in the in the gyms means basically more people who can switch to powerlifting, which means more money for the federation. And one day or the other, it's going to go back to the elite lifters.
1: I, I still believe, like... Uh, IPF has had always been the goal to make it right like I started in USAPL and or I started lifting in high school and
0: I reached out
1: yeah nice awesome Uh, and then I thought I was equipped were you equipped or were you raw Uh,
0: in sub junior we had to be raw so I had one year row, then three years equipped.
1: Nice. Oh man. I love it. I love it. Um, so I did equipped the entire time and it seems like, and I want to talk about equipped versus raw here in, in a moment, but going from lifting in high school, I didn't even know that you could lift for your country until I reached out to some other people and they got, they helped me along. Um, Preston Turner was the the first individual that kind of guided me and to tell me like where to go. And then, I started lifting in college or at the university and I qualified for team USA my first year competing in the USAPL. And I, it was like the most amazing, it was like, this is a dream come true. But then, you know, I realized, Oh man, like it's, it's expensive, you know, <laughs> it's really expensive. Uh, but it was one of the, the, my, one of my most favorite experiences that I've ever had to happen. And, and, lifting equipped i feel like it's it's dying and that makes me a little sad because i want to keep it alive um but but I, i'm going to uh, retract a little bit come backwards a little bit is the ipf still like that that dream for a lot of people is that still like the 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 move for a lot of people around the world is that they they still see the ipf as like the gold standard
0: well i can only talk about France so in France yes it is and basically in France there can only be one official federation because the ministry is recognizing only one federation per sport so the IPF in France is FF force and it's the only official federation so basically our federation is kind of fighting against the other ones to make them die so I think in France IPF is the goal and right now, the, the world records and the national records are way higher in IPF than in the, the other French federations.
1: What are so the French a federations?
0: Um, We get GPC, WPC, and some FSFA, like small associations.
1: I've never heard of or of any of them. I just remember seeing Team France at, at IPF Worlds a couple of times, and it it I, I don't know. I just I don't. I guess I did. I didn't know really much about the culture, but it seemed like a good culture to be around.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm new to the team. I'm only in a coaching team since 2019, like European 2019. But yeah, I, I really like the the other coaches because um we have different qualities I think and so it's easy that we complete ourselves in in competition and you were talking about equipped but I think powerlifting has grown so much thanks to row lifting like I used to lift equipped and I chose like before doing my engineering my engineer school I had to do some Preparatory classes in France, and I chose the city because I knew there was a powerlifting gym close to my school. But lifting equipped, you had you needed to have someone to wrap your knees and like two spotters. And if you wanted to put a bench shirt you you needed someone to give you a handoff, someone uh, with the yeah. You need two or three people all the time with you and I was lucky to have some of them, but I remember one lifter he was a 120 or 120 plus and he couldn't make it to the national team because in his gym people didn't want to spot him because he was so strong that people were afraid because he was squatting 300 kilos, I think row and in 20. 14 maybe it was a lot and so people's like He's gonna squat even more if we wrap his knees and there were only maybe masters lifter in his team And so he couldn't make it to the international level just because he didn't have the people around himself so I think row lifting is great for this but honestly I'm super bad in squat row and I was gaining 70% with the equipment. So I loved equipped squatting.
1: <laughs> I am right there with you. I I <laughs> had like, oh, I'm on my total, it was probably like 500 pounds total from gear. I mean... I got a lot out of my equipment, and so I look at it, and I'm like, "Man, I'm I'm a bad raw squatter," Um, especially in comparison to what these guys are doing now. I mean, it's the numbers that people are putting up are insane.
0: Yeah, well, even even here at national at our nationals, like I wouldn't, I qualified for Uni Worlds three times. And now this year, I wouldn't have made the A group at Junior Nationals. So I was like, wow, the level has grown so much. When I began, I think we were only maybe five sub-junior women and maybe four. 30 or 40 sub junior in total and this year they had to split junior and sub junior because there were 160 junior and 160 sub junior who qualified for nationals like this is insane wow,
1: wow. that is so cool
0: yeah it, it's it's amazing like we have in the juniors we have 369 lifters who broke the world record well we have the world record holder and we have two other girls who broke the world record unofficially at junior nationals like yeah in france powerlifting is growing so much and that's insane and that's crazy but that's thanks to lifting because even though buying a singlet and like new knee niche- sleeves are is quite expensive it's still cheaper than having to buy a suit for squat, a suit for bench, or even two suits because it depends on how heavy you you're pulling. So yeah,
1: it definitely allows it to be more accessible to a larger population, right? Like I I could buy you know a, a, a simple gym set in uh, you know online and you have it to my house, and that be all i really need is just it's just me and occasionally i can have my me my i don't don't even need a spotter if i really needed it like there's things that help with that right like i could be fine doing triples and doubles and, and sets of five for a long period of time before i ever really had to touch singles right like i mean being raw definitely makes it more accessible which is allowing for the growth of the sport which is ultimately the goal i think for most powerlifters especially powerlifters that that kind of have been able to see it grow from a very very young space to now a much more developed area
0: yeah of course but it was i think it was lifting equipped but we need to move on right now well that's that's my opinion even though with the new new sleeves we're getting closer and closer to equipped lifting again
1: <laughs> is that is like that is so true it, so can you go um, the world games is it both raw and equipped
0: i think it's not official yet but it should be both raw and equipped in 2025
1: That's a big deal.
0: That is a big deal. So basically, we, well, I think if it's going to be official, it will be official in June. So we're still waiting, but maybe they're going to tell us at Worlds. But if it's the case, it will mean that 2024 Worlds are qualifying for the World Games. So 2024 Worlds are going to be even bigger than Malta. And Malta is already huge. So,
1: Wow, that is so cool. I mean, like that I I I just saw um like the qualifying totals for for Gear and what the World Games is. If you don't mind for people that maybe are listening that don't know, can you talk to can you tell us a little bit about what the World Games is?
0: So, the shortest way to explain World Games is World Games is the Olympic Games for sports that are not Olympic. So and my cousin she went to world games last uh, last year yes in equipped and she said that the organizer feel that it's the same atmosphere as what the olympic games used to be maybe 20 or 30 years ago and but they have many years many many people coming and many many sport i think they used to be climbing and karate is here, so yeah, it's like the goal for every power lifters. It's the highest you can go in powerlifting.
1: Yeah, it is. It's so cool. It, it, it's it it would be it'd be cool to be able to go. I was looking at qualifying totals the other day, and I was like, man, if, if i I back in gear, I could like I place top three in my age group, or my, my, my weight class. Um, so the, the, the weight classes are a little bit different than in IPF Worlds. It's, it's I think, like three or four different weight classes, and then there are groups of weight classes, right?
0: Yeah, well, it's not... I think it's like Wilkes Placing, and it's 59 and 66, then 74 and 6, 74, 83, 93, 105, and 120, and 120 plus. And the same for women. Like the, the groups are 2 weight classes. And they're yeah. taking, I think the like direct qualification is placing top three at Worlds. But after that, it's uh, Wilkes, well, points placing or wild cards, um, depending on where you come from in the world. I,
1: I didn't know the IPF was still using Wilkes.
0: No, no, they're not
1: it's just the world games that uses Wilkes
0: no 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 the world game it's sorry I it's my my fault it's not it's not Wilkes it's points it's I think it's IPF points or GL points right now I don't remember sorry it's changing I, so many times
1: I think I think that it is the IPF points I think is what I looked at last um, but definitely a, a cool experience in every powerlifters. Goal and the fact that it's made it to the World Games and brought the raw lifting is a big step in the right direction for it getting into the in at least close to, um, being in the uh, the the Olympic Games as people know it uh, formally. But I mean, just the fact that it's it's there at the World Games is already a a massive deal.
0: Yeah, but you know what? I think arm wrestling is closer than powerlifting to be in the World Games. What? We have arm wrestling in the same federation in France and they're saying that they should enter the, the Olympic Games soon. So I hope powerlifting will make it one day, but I don't know. When we talk to Gaston and the other officials, they are not so confident yet. I think maybe once the weightlifting won't be in the Olympi- Olympic anymore, maybe we have a chance, but probably not both at the same time
1: we got we got some time it's okay there there's there's time but how how involved is so the IPF is is located not in the US right and so are like the 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 main i guess the hub uh Gaston and 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 everybody else out there is there more contact with the IPF officials that you guys get to have especially as a national coach well Gaston
0: lives in Luxembourg which is just Right behind France. So basically, he's coming to every competition, even like the European Uni competition. He's coming, wow. and I think Gaston knows most of the lifters. Like that's my birthday today, and he just texted me like "Happy birthday, Charlotte!" Like one hour ago. So yeah, he we kind of all know Gaston in the team France.
1: Happy birthday! Thanks. That's cool. Um. So, uh, I want to just a little bit background of what is, I guess, how did, how did you get started with, um, how did you get into the position of, um, being a national team coach?
0: Um, well, I was an athlete and like, I hate doing nothing. So during competitions when I was not lifting, it was just so boring for me. So I took my... Um, referee exam and because I thought that I couldn't make it to the international level being an athlete I thought I could make it to the international level being a referee so I took my regional then national exam and when I took my international uh, my cat 2 exam after I took my exam I had some time so I just spent it with the coach in the of the uni team and helped them and I told one of the coaches, like, I would like to make it to, to the national team, to being a coach in the national team. And he told me, just ask the head coach. And for 2019 Europeans, um, they needed another coach. And especially they needed a woman because there was a drama in France re- regarding, uh, like, male coaches with females in other sports with young females and we had a big sub junior team and junior team. So they like just the head coach said, okay, I can you can try and if it goes well, we will keep you. So that's how it started. And I guess he liked the way I behaved and the way I coached during the competition because I'm still in the national team.
1: That's so cool. Again, it's it's kind of a dream for coaches, I feel like, to be able to get to that level where you're coaching elite athletes like it's the it's the coolest opportunity but also it's not even just the elite athlete but also the the new athletes that come in and they see you in you know dressed up as a cat too judge or they see you in the in the national you know they see you in the flag walking around helping athletes like you a lot of women get to see you kind of and, and men but like they, they see you doing your thing and it's it's motivating and inspiring for a lot of people to say, you know, I kind of want to do that too, which only helps the sport grow. And then they learn, "Oh, wow, she was also an athlete and she's also uh, a cat to judge." And she's also, you know, like it's so cool.
0: Well, I I really am super happy if I inspire only one one female to do like to do like me, but yeah, it's cool, but I think the coolest part of this is like at the international level to me powerlifting is like a big family and I remember in 2019 I spent 10 days at the competition because there were there was sub junior junior and open and so at the end of the week like I was just saying hi to everyone in the morning and it's like a new day to all together and you see the coaches from the other countries that are always the same um yeah I think it's an amazing experience but I wanna I want to keep my coaching place, so please don't all try to do the same. <laughs>
1: uh, I think I think you're doing a pretty good job, so I think I think things will be okay. Um, a little competition is good, you know. It, it forces you to continue to be, get better. I think, right? Like, if 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 you continue to slack off, then or if you start slacking off, then somebody's gonna come up and, and they will take that. Yeah. It's the same thing as as trying to win worlds, right? If you start, you know, not taking care of yourself, then somebody's gonna come up and they're going to take that that world title it's very very similar um so can you tell me a little bit more about your relationship with the strength guys how'd you get started with the strength guys uh
0: thanks to my phd because i i think i talked to arian uh who used to be the usapl head coach uh we had already chatted on instagram and i was talking to him about my phd and he told me like. It, it will interest Jason, so he talked to me about Jason, and I chatted about Jason, about my PhD, and then Jason said, hey, maybe you would be interested in becoming a coach, so we did the internship uh, two years ago, and at the end of the internship, Jason said, yeah, if you want to come, you'll have we will be happy to have you, so for now, I'm only coaching, but... Um, Jason has like projects for the future, and working with TSG is an amazing opportunity because it's really a team, and that's what you were saying about coaching and about lifting in general, that we are so many people that we are always pulling others up and others are pulling us and helping us become better and better,, uh, whatever the the side. like from the coaching side, and the mental side and the physio side and it's really a team and yeah that that's amazing to to work with them uh, well I really like it.
1: So I I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the restroom real quick but I wanna when I come back I wanna talk about uh, the internship program and how that works if you don't mind.
0: Yeah well I think it has changed since I did it but now you need to apply uh, to do the internship but. When I did it uh, with Nico, uh, we had lessons uh, visio in visio every Monday, like from maybe eight to eight till ten uh, every Monday during four months, and then we had exercises to do, like programs to write uh, during the week to make sure that we understand the lessons well. And so we really learned how. Uh, TSG liked to program volume based, and all this, and we had Jason and Arian. Yeah, every morning, uh, every Monday, teaching us this. And at the end, they said like, "You passed or you failed," but we passed.
1: (laughs) Nice. I'm gonna be right back. I'm, I'm gonna give me just a couple minutes. I'll be right back. Yeah, sure. This podcast is brought to you by. Gold Star Barber Studio. These guys have some of the best haircuts in the state of Texas. They have six locations in the Bryan College Station area, San Antonio, and in the South Valley. They also have their website, goldstarbarberstudio.com. Please visit their website, get you some merch, schedule you a an appointment with one of their amazing barbers. I go to Jeff. I think Jeff is, you know, he's been my best barber that I've ever had. So the speed at which they're able to accomplish things, you know, all of us are busy people. We're trying to get in and out. They harp on speed and quality and they do not lack on either of them. So I recommend that you guys go ahead and visit Gold Star Barber Studio and get yourself a new barber and beautiful cut. This podcast is brought to you by those at Proactive Chiropractic BCS. Their mission is by to universally promote optimal wellness through the community by encouraging patient education, successful relationships, and individual growth. They are located on Harvey Road in College Station, Texas, and these guys, Dr. Allen and his team have been there when I had pain and Not only took me through what we normally see from chiropractors, but they went the extra step and made sure that I was feeling good for long periods of time, giving me exercises that were going to promote my long-term wellness. Those guys at Proactive Chiropractic BCS are some of the best guys in the business. I recommend you go check them out as soon as you can. They are located in Bryan, Texas and hopefully soon growing because we know we all need more quality chiropractors all right um so what was it like learning about a different style of training what style of training did you initially have um was it a volume-based approach or was it a little bit different from the undulating periodization that they do um at the strength guys
0: so when i began uh i began maybe you know hassan el Belgiti. he used to be the top french lifter And he was my first coach. And on Monday, we were doing like five sets of five in squats. And on uh, Tuesday, we were doing five sets of five. And basically, we were doing five by five all year long. And closer to competitions, we were doing one week with um, triples, one week with doubles, and then the competition. And I've done this for a bit. And then... (laughs) Yeah, and I know people who are training right now in the same team, and he's still doing exactly the same, but he's been a world champion that way, so it worked. (laughs) But um, I think we didn't have quite um, a methodology. It was more trying and seeing what works or not. But what we learned from the new style, like the new lifters, that we don't need to do volume and like keep uh, singles only close to the competition. So we were doing top sets and, and back offs and trying to train with RP, but it was not as organized as it is now. And uh, it's great to to work with the strength guys because we have data and we know how to manipulate data. And it's really helped me that way. Like Now I know that if I put a variation, it's because the athlete really needs it. And it's not like what we used to do 10 years ago that you only do one comp squat a a week. Now I know that lifters can do like two or three comp squats and they don't need to do a front or a pose or whatever. If there's not uh, a need for it, then I won't put any. And yeah dup and volume based training uh i really learned it with jason and the strength guys and but it's nice to know this and then to also learn about uh emerging strategies and take the best of both
1: that is so cool that is it, it's it sounds like definitely a learning environment and and after talking with Jason, it definitely seemed that he's he's continuously pushing that envelope of knowledge and um, so I think it's really cool that they're not just keeping that within themselves and not just hiring a coach on and hoping that they do well. They, they bring people on and then educate them on their, on their process. They take the time to educate and I think that's the difference between a lot of companies. They, they just... In my own experience, people they bring people on and then never really educate them on what they want, but then get mad whenever you don't perform. And it's like, well, teach me then, right? Um, but yeah, it sounds like it they look they sounds like they have a system at, at the strength guys where they're they're teaching their coaches.
0: Yeah, of course they do. And even when I wrote my first program, I asked Jason, and he took care that I did everything right, and if he showed me what I was doing wrong or. We can discuss, and I know that for some athletes, uh, he's co-coaching some athletes with other coaches, and he's really discussing. And I think even though Jason uh, is teaching people the way he works, he's also listening to other people and open to new, new ways of thinking and of training, and that's great. And also, uh, I've had the opportunity to train. Uh, someone with velocity-based training and that's also to me a well I used to to lift with uh, the rep one but coaching someone for like over four months with the rep one with velocity-based training and having him progress is is great and TSG is making this possible thanks to all the knowledge they have and the way the template is built, etc. So that's great. Yeah,
1: that is that is yeah, really yeah. They're cool. really
0: yeah. They're giving you the keys to be the best version of like the best coach you can be.
1: It sounds like we I gotta continue to talk to Jason about what they're doing out over Strength Guys to learn from it, you know. Um, it, my, 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 master's focused on using force plate data and, um, and learning how to do velocity based training, but based off of, um, uh, specifically just using force plate. So we use two individual force plates, um, uh, and then combine that data to see, uh, velocity and force production and all those good things. But it also gave us a pretty good look into seeing what, what positions, um, the athlete may be leaning forward or back where they're sending the center of gravity. I think what you called center of a pressure tomato tomato, um, is, is, is where it's sitting and what makes it efficient or less efficient. And then, and taking all that data and then being able to interpret it. Um, uh, and it, it was a really cool experience. And I, and now they have all these really cool, you know, things you just like tack on to the side of your, your barbell, and that'll do all the velocity based training for you, right? It takes all your data.
0: Yeah, it does. But if you have data, just if you have data with false false plates, I'm really interested in sharing the data, the data, and see if you have the same results as I did for my PhD. But yeah, training with BBT is great. And um, uh, from what I've used, like there are many ways to train with BBT, but maybe the Rep One app is not. Ready yet? Like, I would love to train people with velocity lows, but if you only use the app, you can't see whenever you need to stop the the set, for example. Like, let's say I would say a lifter, you do a set at 150 kilo and you stop whenever you have like 30% velocity loss. Um, If you don't have someone watching the rep one, the app is not gonna tell you to stop, and I think uh, for velocity-based training to really um, get more important and really be optimal, uh, we would need app that just talk to the lifters and say like have more options where where you can just say stop.
1: I think it would be cool if you know you had like something like the 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 Strength Guys app where built within it, you have the option to select, you know, velocity based training. And then as the coach, you can select ranges for specific movements, right? Like if you're looking for 0.55 meters per second, and then like, once we're at this point, then we're no longer, you know, then, then we're cutting it off. Right. Um, like, it it gives them maybe it gives the athlete like a like a little red tag or like it makes the number red and that means like hey we're done and it still requires the athlete to pay attention to to what they're doing. Uh, but I think if you have an athlete who is using velocity based training, they're more likely to to look back and and like if you tell them hey I need you to go back and and if it says red then you stop. I think that you would have more athletes that would be open to following that.
0: Yeah, of course, and. I'm well. I told you I'm an engineer, but I hate RP because I like numbers and I like math and I like things to be either right or wrong and not subjective. And velocity-based training is really objective. And maybe I, you know, that Eleiko has, uh, is now selling a ball with velocity tracker in it, and yeah. I think if. One day it would be the official ball for the competitions. It will make the competition even more interesting. Like to just help the coaches. Well, we're already using it. um, Well, my husband and uh, other lifters from the national team they're already using it uh, in the warm-up room at at worlds. And I'm sure we can get to the point where velocity is even like helping coaches select. attempts
1: oh my gosh wouldn't that be so cool i mean that's like yeah well
0: i'm a math i'm a math girl so that would be amazing for me and even for the commentator maybe we could see we could really see the difference between grinders and explosive lifters like in numbers and
1: I I definitely like numbers. I think the subjectivity behind RPEs can get difficult, especially for novice athletes or people that are like starting to train. It's to them, everything could be a nine when in reality they're moving like a five. Right. And it's like, well, no, we can, we can push here a little bit more, but they don't realize what that scale looks like. And so unless you have a, a a well-educated coach, who's guiding them along to, to say, you know, we're going to push a little bit here and then we're going to try out what a nine really looks like or feels like. And then also if you have some athletes that are more uh, a type two versus a type one fiber, um, or some that are more explosive. Right. Um, so they're going to be that they're going to reach a point where they're, they're, they feel like they're riding at a, a seven RPE and then hit a, a, like I'll hit a block and then they can't go five pounds more, right? Like it, it very much is dependent on the athlete. And I think that subjectivity is, is built over a long period of time. And I think that the numbers give us a little bit speedier of a, of a start uh, and gives better data for the coach to create a program for that athlete. I think that velocity based training is also, not the most common yet, um, but I mean, Alinko coming out with that bar is amazing, and the fact that you guys are using it makes me so excited. I really want one.
0: Well, <laughs> well uh, with are not using the Alinko bar, well, I I do have at home the Paralympic bar, but the the sensors like it takes so long to put the sensors on and calibrate them, and then the app closes every time you close the app, so it's not. It's not perfect yet. And I do prefer using the rep one because it's way faster to to use and to collect data. But yes, I I really like to to work with VBT. And as you said, like some lifters, usually they're, I think like women, they tend to always say they are uh, RP9, even though they are RP6 or 7. And men, they tend to have the opposite um yeah (laughs) the opposite opinion well that's my (laughs) what i've seen but i know that when i've uh created a block for nico and i told him that he could go uh for his top set uh, until a velocity he would um He would prefer the blog because usually on like week one and week two of the blog he was like not interested and he knew that he could he wasn't going to PR if I wrote loads. Whereas if I write velocity, he's like if I'm fast, I can still PR or or I can still put more than what I would have put put in in general. And then by having more intention, he's just progressing. So I think. Velocity-based training for elite athletes um, can really help progress and progress faster.
1: I I 100% agree. I, I look for the day that it's a little bit more accessible to uh, to our elite level athletes and then our coaches as well. I've had some meetings with some velocity-based training companies that, that like have the attachments for certain uh, bars. That's there. It's not. Um, you said Rogue One, right? Rogue. No, it's not. What, what did you? It's not. What you call it? It's not Rogue One, but it's um.
0: Rep One.
1: Rep One. Thank you. Sorry. Yes. I, I've, I've never worked with Rep One, but there's some other companies that have, that I've communicated with, uh, to look to partner to so I can I can take the 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 data that they're using or the 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 equipment that they're using and then use it for my own athletes, um. But it's hopefully will become more accessible. And I think that as the sport continues to grow, there's gonna be more people wanting to spend more money to, to continue to get better, right? Like those minute differences make a big difference.
0: Yeah. But I saw a post yesterday saying uh, that beginners athletes should not uh, do all this. And I do agree that I think in France, especially, maybe worldwide, but Beginners athletes are really looking at all the elite athletes, and they want to start. And within two months, have the velocity-based training, have the new uh, new sleeves, and then a coach, and then a nutritionist, and then everything at the same time. And I feel like these are steps. And if you do, if you do everything perfect from the beginning, uh, it's either you're going to have like a burnout because it's too much at the same time. And you need to be progressive. Or the other option is that whenever you eat, you hit a plateau, you won't have any new key to progress. And um, I think it's really a good thing to start by something maybe classic. And as long as you progress well, Just continue and whenever you hit a plateau, then maybe try to take a nutritionist or try velocity-based training or just try one thing at a time. And I think it's also something I've learned with TSG is like, uh, keep it simple, stupid, kiss, and then whenever you find a lever, just use one lever at a time because it's the it's the easiest way to see what's working, what's helping and what's not helping. Because if you put like 10 variations or if you put everything at the same time, you don't know what's useful and what's useless. So just, yeah, go slow and progressive with everything, with training, with everything in lifting.
1: It's a very important point. I think that people can get so excited that that it's... The, the, the classic ex- like way to experiment is adding one variable at a time, right? And so
0: exactly.
1: do, do a simple linear periodization program for eight weeks and see how it goes. You know, like it doesn't need to be complex and it should still be fun, especially when you're first starting. It, it can be a lifelong sport if you allow it to be. And if you go and like invest all this money and time in things that you don't really understand yet or don't know how they affect the body or your body, then then you're kind of just wasting your money. You know, like you got to be able to do some work on your own and understand what it looks like to 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 add the a, a linear periodization and kind of make those alterations. So you can, if you're using RPE, you at least walk into a coach who understands and you can give better data to that coach so that they can write a better program for you. If you're using, and, and I think as somebody who is, is, is new just keeping it keeping it simple is the way to go all the day yeah exactly
0: and especially if you want to me it's very important if you want to last in the sport because as we said powerlifting like elite athletes are doing so much to become to become to be at this level like they have to eat well sleep well and everything and i think if you don't like what you do and if everything is a constraint you won't last in the sport and right now you can't be a world champion like so fast you you need to last in the sport to progress well maybe except tiffany and some french lifters that are super strong but for most people you need to you need time to progress so the more you will enjoy your training the more you will put focus in it the more
1: you will have chances to last. It And if you are able to last, then you're only going to be, you know, it, you, you outlast a lot of the people that it did invest all this money uh, at the very beginning. And then may, it, sometimes I think it can be intimidating when you see all these people lifting all this amount when you, and you're just starting it and you see all these people like really investing a lot of money and, and, you're maybe you don't have the means to but if you just like continue to move slowly and and you know the the uh the the slow wins the race the wins the race right like it, it's just going to just be consistent and be slow and and i think just putting in good honest work will end up getting you where you want to go so long as that's what you want to do right if you want to stay in yeah. the sport for a long period then it's going to be there you just got to just got to be patient
0: yeah exactly
1: how so you're training your husband how how has it been training with your husband?
0: Well, I think it's the only place where we argue together, <laughs> but it's <laughs> no it's it's great. it's emotions like at the beginning, I was only training him uh because we were taking a diploma in France, and I needed to train someone, so he was like, "You can train me, but like we're gonna co-create the." The program, and he's never followed the program before, so it's kind of hard to train him because he always wants to change the program. But I know him very well because he's my husband. So he, I, I'm not sure I have the English words for this, but we used to say that he's the martyr and I'm the brakes, like just to slow him down whenever he needs and like usually he's training with his heart and I'm kind of the brain saying Nico please <laughs> be careful
1: <laughs> and it's it's an important that it's important to have that person there who who knows how and knows when to to say hey we, maybe we should back down a little bit here or maybe we should take this week a little bit better or slower or just, just trust the program. It's okay. I, I got, I got you. It's, you know, like you have his best interest in mind and and, I mean, I know that you have all your, your athletes best interest in mind, but it takes time to, to build that trust. And with, with all athletes, whether it be, you know, someone as close as, as a, as a significant other or um, it, you know, a new athlete, you know, it takes so much time to build that trust. I think it's, it's really cool that you guys have that relationship uh, how many athletes yeah. do you coach at a time?
0: Uh, right now, I have ten athletes.
1: Nice. So it's it, it, it's not Look. a lot,
0: but it's great, and all of them are different. As I told you, I have Nico, and I have uh, Chapman. I'm training with velocity-based training, and I have some people who just gonna go who just go to the gym uh, to have some exercise, but not compete. So. It's great and I'm learning a lot from them. But as I told you with Nico, usually when I have something I really want him to do and he's not listening to me, I ask Jason because he trusts Jason so much that whatever Jason says, he's going to do.
1: It, it it's good to have a team that that it helps yeah. athletes. It's good that you have a relationship with Jason like that. It's like, "Hey, I need some help with my husband here. Can you mind?"
0: <laughs> yeah. But that's as all- you said, it's. I think it's great to have a team in general, and and it helps with the coaching and with the athletes. If like I have no idea what to do with an athlete, or if I have a problem because he's hurt himself, I know that I have the PTs from the team. I and I can ask and work with them, and so that's that's really a plus.
1: I uh, hopefully I'll be I'll be interviewing them as well. Um here soon. Cause I, I definitely think that you, you create an environment where it is a, a full team that you have as a coach that you can go back and say, Hey, I like, I have this athlete and I don't know what I'm, you know, I don't know what to do in this specific situation. Like we're having this nagging, you know, issue in the hip or nagging issue in the shoulder, whatever it may be. And you have a team of people that you can revert to that are going to give you some, some insider advice on, on, and maybe you'll be able to, if they ha- if they have a, a powerlifting background, which I believe they do,
0: they then do.
1: they then they can give you some real accurate you know information and understand the elite athlete and and know that you know we're we're on a timeline. You know we have six months for our next meet, or three, we have three months coming up into our next meet. We can't make we can't stop training, but what can we do to add to reduce the risk of injury or reduce this nagging?
0: Yeah, exactly, and especially in France. Um, like health professional, they always tend to do like, just stop training. Like Nico sprained his ankle uh, playing rugby uh, three weeks before European championships uh, in December. And in France, people were just saying like, just stop training for two weeks and we will see we will do the exams after but the PT the physio from from TSG, they really helped him and in the end he was like a silver medal and he broke the junior world record total only three weeks after his ankle sprain thanks to the full team working all together so I think it's really important to have a physio and a mental prep that no power that no power lifting well and it's yeah it's helping so much
1: gosh i love it it's so it's it, it's the more that i learn about the strength guys and what you guys are offering and, and kind of bringing to the table uh, there's a lot of companies out there that you know i've talked to, to mike to uh with R- rts and and it and just there's There's so many people out there that are doing really cool things, um, and the strength games seem to be taking a more scientific approach, which, I mean, I think that the RTS does as well, but I think that the team that you guys have is just, it's really cool.
0: Yeah, I I don't know RTS enough to talk about them, but I I really like TFD that we have a team. Uh, And it's great that we have coaches from many countries because we can coach in many languages. And some years ago, uh, people didn't know how to speak English in France, like maybe only some of them, and they were trying to learn. But now we can also create content in French. And I know that in France, many people would like to learn from volume-based training and TSG. And thanks to Jason, we have the opportunity to also talk to other people and spread the world and yeah educates many people so that's great
1: it's it's how the 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 community continues to grow. If, if we can educate, then then it's going to continue to attract more individuals because uh, now you have a larger network of people that have a better understanding of exactly what powerlifting is. You know, you had the old adage where a lot of women didn't want to lift because they didn't want to get big and bulky. It's like, well, you don't have the physiology for that. Like, I can appreciate why you might think that, but if you are lifting heavy, it's going to take care of your bones and it's going to take care of your joints and, and your, your, you know, your connective tissue, like, and it's it's only, it's, it's through educating a population that you can, can really make some change. And it's not, um, you, you having a good understanding of what good education is and what is maybe not the, maybe not education or, or like scientifically based approaches is extremely important. And it seems like that's what you guys are are continuing to to push on.
0: Yeah. And that's even helping us. Like um, I, my baby is four months old and I had the chance to train through all my pregnancy. And it was super nice sharing about this because like, if I had listened to my grandmas, it's like, you should, sp- you should sp- Top sport because you're pregnant but I needed to lift and thanks to all the powerlifting community I knew it was possible and my doctor said it was possible so I qualified for bench nationals being eight months pregnant and I did bench nationals. uh, Amelia was only eight weeks and I went on the podium with her and it was amazing and this is Thanks to the community and thanks to everyone, and I had m- so many messages on Instagram of women who wanted to train while pregnant and they didn't know how to do. So I really think that by sharing our experiences in in coaching and like being a woman lifting, being a mom lifting, that's we're gonna make the sport grow.
1: That is so cool! Congrat. That is a that is a, that is like thanks. a story. That- you should be able to tell for the rest of your life. Like that is the coolest thing. Oh man. I love that. It's definitely, it, it, it helps. I think it, it helps the understanding of what you can do as, as somebody who's in who's lifting weights, not just a competitor, but somebody who's, who's, who's just working out. And, and, you know, it, it tends to be that people who are lifting during their pregnancy, have a much easier pregnancy. It, it's much faster. It, it's it's healthier. There's less atrophy. There's less likely for postpartum depression. Like, it's huge. It, it's And you have that base. It, it really helps.
0: Yeah. And to be honest, I came back to the gym only six weeks, six days after uh, giving birth because I needed it. And it's like my my way to get my energy level up every day. Like saying during one hour, I give Amelia to her grandparents and I go to the gym and I just train. It's, it's really helping. Like being a mom is not that easy, but going to the gym during pregnancy and uh, just after pregnancy is great. And once again, I had the chance to have uh, Emily, the physio from TSG, who told me what I could do or not. Because if I had listened to the doctors, they were saying, like, no sport at all, only walking during two months in France. But at wow. two months, I was going to the na- bench nationals, and, and that was good.
1: <laughs> uh, you slept on the podium. You, you, were, you, you were doing all right. That's for sure. So, yeah. Well... Charlotte it was a, it was a it was a pleasure to get to chat with you I'm about to chat with arian here in a couple minutes and so we're gonna go ahead and uh, end our call but I want to give you the, the opportunity to either you know give some shout outs give um, you know plug plug your social media um, and anything else that you would like to for people to know about
0: well just first thank you for inviting me and just to heads off to TSU because I'm here thanks to them and yeah, I think that's pretty cool. And I'm happy to chat with everyone who wants to chat about PhD or training during pregnancy or whatever. Thank you for listening to the Ben Navarro's
1: podcast. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and all other major podcast hosting platforms.
0: Be sure to leave us a five-star review on iTunes.